Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. This is the podcast that brings you the greatest innovation change makers in the world of insurance and insure tech. We speak to innovation leaders from carriers and brokers. We speak to insure tech founders and C-suite executives. And we bring you all of the people that add value to that community, whether it be private equity, venture capitalists, or even people like organizational psychologists and thought leaders and futurists. We try really hard to bring you the most innovative people in the world of insurance on a global basis. So with that in mind, we'd love your support. So please like, share, follow or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Alex Bond. Welcome to the Leadership Insurance Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by FinPro. FinPro is a leading insurtech specialist recruitment business that operates on a global basis. We have delivered assignments across North America, throughout Europe and into Asia. We are super excited to speak to anyone who has some recruitment challenges that is either starting or scaling a business. And we're confident we can help you find the people to help you innovate the world of insurance one new hire at a time please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com for more information. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Joe, who's CEO of Pro Navigator. Joe, good morning. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much, Alex. I'm, uh, I'm delighted to be a part of this podcast. I listened to a few earlier episodes and some incredibly smart founders tackling major issues in the industry. So thank you for the opportunity and uh, the ability to share my point of view on some of the opportunities ahead of us in the industry. Awesome. Joe, flattery will get you everywhere. So thank you very much. Um, and, and, and thank you for being complimentary about the guests. But, you know, you guys are a business we've been aware of for some time. Uh, it's a really interesting business and, 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 and solves a, a, a good problem for the industry. So before I make a hash of it, um, it'd be great if you could introduce the Pro Navigator business and, and what it is you guys do. Absolutely. So I'm the founder and CEO. We are a, an insurance technology company. We're uh, serving the PNC industry, um, property and casualty. Um, and in a nutshell, if I was to kind of describe what we do, we are a, a cloud-based knowledge management platform uh, with a mission to streamline the, the storage and distribution of knowledge uh, to make knowledge instant, uh, effortless, and consistent for insurance staff uh, from a single source of truth. So that's, that's us in a nutshell. That's a, like a, that's a very like, that's a big goal, right? So that's a that's a that's a big tangible meaty goal. So I'm always interested in, you know, how do you get to that? What's what's the what's the origin story as Marvel would like us to see? Yeah, you know, um, I didn't come from the industry, and and you know, like they say, when you when you fall into the insurance industry, you never leave. And I think that's very true. Um, I remember back in 2016, I called my insurance carrier with what I thought was a quick question about the policy and an hour and 35 minutes, I was still on hold. And I have screenshots of this on my phone um, and I was frustrated, I was annoyed, but you know, being kind of entrepreneurial, um, I've run businesses in the past and, and sold my previous company. I, was, I, was, I wanted to really understand and learn more about it. And I reached out to a good friend of mine, he was an actuary and he spent his entire career in the insurance industry, we, we started really digging into some of the challenges that are, that are faced within, within the industry, where you've got underwriters, you've got call center staff, you've got claim staff, you've got brokers and agents. 
um, spending a lot of time every day looking for information. Mm. And uh, we were in a world back then, and we still are, in which people expect things to be done in seconds. And so we saw an opportunity for us to build technology to help insurance organizations save lots of precious productivity time. And that journey took us to conversations with a lot of leading insurance companies on how can we use some of the advancements in technology to, um, to, to instantly and automatically resolve answers to questions for employees and, and in return helping customers like myself. And so he ended up being a co-founder, we launched the company and um, it's been an exciting journey, of course, a roller coaster ride. Uh, but that's that's kind of the founding story of, of what we set out to solve. Mm -hmm. mm. So on on lofty on on lofty goals, uh, and and yeah, I, I I said to you beforehand that I was going to be I'm not going to be mean. I'm just going to read this statement out. This is a big statement, but it makes sense. I think when we dig into what your product does and, and is, um, you've been described as the Google for insurance. Um, I just want to dig into like what does that mean in practical terms because yeah it's a that's a it's a big big statement yeah and I, I would say the founding story I don't think we, we set out to say hey we're going to be the Google for insurance mm -hmm. um, it was really a customer who kind of threw that name on us and it and it really did did stick um, you know when we when we talk about search uh, you know Google usually comes to mind right you you go on you ask Google a question you type in a query uh, not only does it find the relevant web page, but it also extracts the answer in a kind of a short paragraph from that web page. You know what they call a featured snippet, and that answer is, is is so useful that Google displays that above all the other search results. Um, you know, consumer search has come a long way. Um, it hasn't always been that way. It hasn't always been a great experience, but definitely I think in the last two decades, um, it, it's it's really come a long way. You you go in, you type a question, you get an answer. Simple. But when you think about enterprise search today, um, that's broken. Um, the, you know, within the enterprise, there's, there's, there's challenges that make search a very, very hard problem, right? You've got, you've got billions of pages on consumer search to help reinforce relevancy and accuracy. And when you look inside a typical company, they might only contain a few thousand documents. So the task of enterprise search is vastly different from consumer search. And it's really like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Mm -hmm. But companies are really looking for efficiency gains. They're looking for ways to better train and develop employees. They're looking for ways to improve customer experience and drive more profitability. And when we were asking our customers for feedback on how can we help solve some of these information challenges, it often boiled down to this description. They would say, I just want to Google it. And so this idea of why can't we leverage the same convenience, the, the great user experience that we get in our personal lives at our work was really the kind of the founding story for why we, we, we that, that name kind of stuck with us. Mm -hmm. And you know, we took the approach of trying to solve some of these challenges by looking at the types of questions that we use in insurance and really trying to read and understand and answer those questions. You know, if, if insurance language was relatively simple and straightforward, um, then it's, you know, out of the box systems could likely work well. Control F, you're trying to find your documents. But when we looked at some of the data for some of our customers, um, you know, insurance employees would say anything but the simplest way of asking the query, right? We love our acronyms. So they'd say things like, what's the SBU limit? Or who writes 68 service? Or is GRC available on heritage homes? So we have this unique language 
of insurance, if you will, and relatively simple keyword-based search systems in our, in our intranets today, they just are not built to solve the, the, the kind of the uniqueness or the language of insurance that's, that's very unique to our industry. And so, you know, over the last, you know, five years, we've continually been building and refining our platform. We've had to stay really focused on, on solving this for this one domain and not just understand the, the queries that are coming in and the questions, but the acronyms and spelling mistakes, knowing SVU is sewer backup, knowing, you know, one person may call it strata, someone else may call it a condominium. And so, you know, assembling this kind of insurance enterprise knowledge management system presented challenges, but you know, advancements in machine learning, the data we have to train it has really allowed us to kind of build this kind of enterprise grade system similar to a Google-like experience that you may find in your personal life and using your mm. I was going to say one of the things that I thought would be a challenge was that you know, I worked in insurance um, when I first, you know, left university. And I remember then moving up to London because I worked in regional, um, I worked in commercial insurance, but regional insurance. And when we talk about liability, we were basically talking about, um, you know, we were talking about casualty with respect to kind of motor, we were talking to kind of personal injury um, and that's what it meant in my head. But then I would go to, I moved to London, I was working in the Lloyd's market. And then you're, you're talking about liability being this whole host of classes and, and, and all that simple nuance in, language between companies and companies even using their own acronyms um is that just a kind of brute force kind of over time the system gets better or or is there is, is part of the technology that it accounts for things like that so uh if i was kind of in a, on a high level i'll try and break up the key ingredients of our, of our system so the first one is being able to understand the question the query um, and, and really the intent behind the question and extracting some of the key entities or the key terms within it. Now, within insurance, I would say there's a base that the, the beauty of our system is, is it allows for all our customers to be able to leverage that base of understanding. When we're configuring it for an organization, we're doing additional work to take on the nuances of that particular organization, the, the coverage types that are specific to them, you know, the acronyms that they might use. So an organization coming in gets the advantage of being able to leverage um, kind of the shared learning, if you will, that's, you know, industry specific, which is trained on millions of queries that have gone into our platform. And then we're also able to configure and customize it for that particular organization to ensure we pick up the nuances of that, 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 that group. And so you, you have to understand the question and then you have to understand the answer, which is dissecting long knowledge articles or documents. In some cases, these are, are hundreds, if not thousands of pages in an underwriting manual or a policy wording doc. And we have to break those into snippets, much like Google does. And then we got to match the questions to the answers and make sure that the, the relevancy is, 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 uh, has, has very high accuracy because you want to make sure that the results you're returning um, is, is exactly what they're looking for. And then, and then, of course, all the other things required in a enterprise knowledge management system. So user permissioning, bookmarks, sharing, filters, et cetera. So that's all kind of built in. But that's the main, that's kind of the key ingredients of, of the platform and, and kind of the benefits that, you know, our customers get from leveraging the shared, shared knowledge, if you will. And, and who are your customers? Are brokers, carriers, both, everyone in between? Yeah, so, so we are currently working with about 100 organizations. Um, 
across 26,000 users. We typically specialize in larger scale organizations, be it a, uh, an insurance company or a large broker agency, but we also have some customers who are you know, 30 to 50 person type organizations. So from 30 to 50, all the way up to kind of Fortune 100 companies. Um, but we definitely specialize in larger scale uh, enterprise, enterprises with national rollouts. They're acquiring quickly and trying to make sure everybody's um, consistent and up to date. And uh, that, that's a typical customer. Mm. Um, moving like to one of your specific products, you've got a product called Sage. Um, how, how does that work? How does that come into the equation? So, uh, so Sage is our knowledge management platform and think of it as a, a kind of a single go-to place for information where, um, where staff of all skill levels can quickly and easily find information that they need on sales and service. So usually it's an underwriting team, it's a claims department or an operations team, whether it's a broker agency or maybe it's a call center type staff. And um, the type of information they're referencing is underwriting manuals, policy wording documents, business process manuals, interpretation notes, all the things that you would think are, you know, stored in, in a SharePoint or an intranet or, you know, some, some sort of, you know, internal uh, repository. Mm. And we really focus on three key areas, um, ease of use, search flexibility, and then presentation of that information. So that when someone's coming in, if they're searching a particular thing, we're able to provide them with an accurate, comprehensive view across multiple documents so that they're seeing the whole picture. They're looking at underwriting manual, they're looking at the coverage terms, they're seeing the policy wording. There might be a, an announcement that's tied into that that they need to be aware of. And so being able to kind of provide them this comprehensive view on the information that's returned back, really with the goal of improving the, the staff experience to make onboarding faster and training, but also really to ensure that they can get back to customers quicker and reduce call average handling time. And it's been quite significant. I mean, for some of our customers, some of their internal benchmarking, uh, Sage got them back 26 minutes per day with a, with a break even of 1.5 minutes per day. So it can be quite significant for a lot of organizations, um, particularly those that are trying to reduce call average handling time where they're, they're, they're looking to improve the speed of response. They're looking to improve um, the, the, um, the customer satisfaction rate and they're, they're benchmarking us on this average handling time metric. And um, that's been where we've had the most success. I would imagine it helps with like on the, on the personal employee level as well though, is, is the one of the, the onboarding time must be much quicker for new staff or people that are promoted into new roles. Because one of the challenges of any organization, it doesn't matter how efficient you are, is there's always this kind of quirky repository of data or, you know, um, and, and what you're doing with knowledge, you're, you're having that knowledge in a centralized place that, you know, you don't have to refer to a colleague, you can go to the platform, you don't have to, you know, go to some obscure drive that someone's got this all saved on that you have to kind of look up. So, you know, the, the onboarding element um, was the thing I'm thinking about um, because, you know, I'm such a, you know, obviously we're a recruitment business or, you know, we're specialised in insurtech. So we're, we're always thinking about onboarding experiences and, and things like those, like the supportive tools are, have a massive, it's, it's, it's a massive, massive confidence boost for someone that, you know, if they know there's a bit of a gap and there's a step up in role, that they've got something that they can lean to um, for some of those elements. I think I would imagine that's quite impactful. 
Um, so much of learning and development teams and training is not only training them about the product, so much of it is about where to search and how to search today. And exactly. that takes a lot of the time. So, you know, trying to make that experience smoother and quicker and faster, especially in a world where it's hard to attract talents to the insurance industry, where you have, uh, you know, insurance veterans retiring and you're, you're trying to wrap up staff quickly. And so those are, I mean, we're just one piece in, in, in many tools in this that, that can provide, you know, a solution like this, but it is critical in, in this world. Mm-hmm. You, the thing, the great thing about looking at search data is that you get to see trends, one presumes, with what, what's being searched. Um, what are some of the key trends you're seeing in 2022? And, uh, yeah, and how, how does that differ from 2021, for example? I think it's a lot of the same. If I was to kind of look at 2022, I would say two things. I would say one, um, that belief that companies are going to save you time are going to win. I think that's something that's continued to be important. You look at, you know, Amazon market leader, you look at Uber promising a car is going to arrive in three minutes and it does. Um, co- companies that can save their customers enormous amounts of time and simplify the process of buying. Uh, no one wants added complexity in their lives. And I think a lot of consumers continue to ask, how come we can't get that type of predictably great experience when it comes to insurance? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a world where we have more choice, we have more options, um, in a world where the buyer, meaning all of us, have all the power and all the decision-making in the world, I think insurance organizations will continue to kind of look at not only the policies and the products they're selling, but how they're selling it, how they're building or buying technology to, to provide that customer experience in a way that Consumers are demanding, here you go on your demand, on your terms, uh, when it's convenient for, you, convenient for you, not according to my schedule as the company, but your schedule as the buyer. So I think that's going to continue to be important. Mm-hmm. I would say the second thing is that, you know, there's been a lot of investment in technology. Um, there's a lot of innovation. Um, but I find that it's, especially in the insurance industry, I find that it's particularly consumer facing, right? Quote and buying, better apps and websites, improving access for policyholders. But I think there's still areas largely ignored by by technology. Um, And I think that's the organization itself and technology to make the organization and the people inside them operate more efficiently. And as you know, people are one of the biggest factors of success in any industry, but, you know, especially in in an insurance world where finding qualified workers and onboarding and and recruiting and training staff is is a top priority. Um, And then we waste so much time on repetitive tasks. You know, Guidewire had done a report, um, I think they did over like 300 engagements and their conclusion was that um, 80% of the underwriter's time was filled with basic tasks. So gathering data, data entry, file documentation, clerical work, and um, and really only 20% on expert evaluation. And so that's, that's gonna, I think, continue to be a trend is our employees getting access to what they need? Is there technology that can free up their time and um, and I think there's a lesson there for us as technology providers is we can't just build a tool and say, here you go, you got to figure out how to use it and implement it. But we have to figure out ways to, uh, to take more and more work off the plates of our customers, give more value out of the box, not just deliver the tools and let them figure it out, but to be truly effective, um, build solutions to help with change management, with adoption. And that doesn't require an army of consultants or, you know, mm-hmm. IT team to come in and, and disrupt uh, existing workflows. Yeah. 
Oh no, that's my that's my big beef at the moment. I uh, <laughs> I've invested really heavily in some technology for my business, and um, the onboarding is so bad that no one in the business is using it, and and so therefore we've invested really heavily, and and it, it it's made me to kind of really look at it as two things. One, you know, the 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 onboarding isn't that they were pitching it as it's an investment for me. And I was like, no, it's an investment for you because if you onboard me correctly, I'll stay forever. I don't want to move again, yes. um, but you've onboarded me badly. And I'm, I'm about to try and I'm just going to see it as wasted cash and move to a new supplier already. So, uh, and look, I'm not an insurance carrier, so they don't make decisions as quickly and they can't, but I think the, the principle remains the same. Um, but what, when I was talking about trends as well, one thing that, do you have the data of what is being searched on your platform by different businesses? Do you have that access to that information as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the key um, benefits of, a, of our technology is giving granular insights back to the organization in terms of not only what people are searching for, what types of questions are coming in from customers, but also knowledge gaps inside their organization. You know, questions that are coming in that they don't have products for, which can help shape, you know, product strategy, but also, you know, learning gaps that they uh, didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. right? And that's something that, you know, a lot of out of the box systems you might not get. And so being able to, to provide those insights back to the organizations, I think is, is, um, is powerful. Yeah, that's what, that's exactly what I was thinking when you were saying it. I was like, well, if you've got yeah this there's all this search criteria you might go well, there's a gap in our training like everyone doesn't seem to know this um so it's so be a really good insight to what your team do and don't know and then then of course yeah that product development piece was the other thing that i think was um interesting for um and, and that can be pretty granular just to kind of build off that i mean region specific product specific um like down to the user level because we have that type of granular insight so there is, depending on the sophistication of the organization and what they're looking for, um, there's a lot of insights you can glean from something that's just real time as customers are calling in, they're searching for tool, you're able to get uh, that, that kind of feedback back. Mm. What's the main driver, um, or maybe not, I'm interested to see how the, the, the key driver for buying your platform versus the key feedback you get. And, so once someone's been using it for six months, are they kind of, you know, and they're enjoying the experience, is the main benefit they're getting typically matching up with the reason they bought it in the first place? Or, or, or is a disparity there? Like, oh, we bought it to save us time, but we, the value we're actually seeing in, is in a new product strategy. Or, or, yeah, I'm just interested to see if that's kind of, you know, not all the time, but if that evolves at all. Yeah, I, I do think the, the analytics is kind of a nice to have when they're going into purchase, it becomes super valuable kind of later on. But really when they're looking at it, I would say the key things are consistency across their teams, um, especially in commercial lines where you could have different underwriters having kind of you know, a different view of things, potentially referencing out of date information because of all the changes that happen so frequently. Um, but they really start to see an impact in terms of bottom line on this reduction in call average handling time. And I'll just give you an example. One of our, one of our national clients, uh, they were using this within their call center and they had about you know, 1,200 employees on, on the system. 
and they had set a uh, an expectation of what they expect to see in terms of a decrease in average handling time by using our system. And before they even started that, they did benchmarking. We did a pilot with them. They they used three or four other systems. Um, they ended up picking us, rolled it out nationally, and then uh, last quarter they actually came back with a report that we surpassed that reduction in average handling time expectation by 264%. So pretty significant in terms of value to that organization. So that continues to prove itself in terms of the ROI for the organization. And then there's the unquantifiable benefits, which are arguably a lot harder to measure in some cases, increase in sales, customer satisfaction, employee satisfaction, better onboarding training. Those ones are, I think, are, are a bit harder for us to track. But nonetheless, just from an ROI perspective, it's uh, it's 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 a well, it's a no-brainer in my opinion. But it's uh, yeah, there's yeah. a strong ROI in technology to improve employee productivity. Ours is one piece. There's many others, but you know, technology to improve our our our, uh, our staff and our teams. I look at that all the time. You know, our software developers, our data scientists, anything I can do that's going to increase that return is is always almost always well worth that. Mm. And I think that's you know. Do you think the customer expectation, um, let's take that back. Not, I, I'm a big believer in how um, your, look, your experience as an individual and a consumer of technology on consumer grade technology has to have an impact on how you view your, you know, as an employee, like, like your work setup. For example, you know, most people have, pretty modern phones they have great technology on them so you kind of your patience wears a bit thin when your company doesn't invest in technology which makes your life difficult so you know i think i think the the demands now from an employee or the not demands the expectation from an employee is that if my company is not investing in technology to make my life easier they don't value my time you know because essentially we're saying when we're saving someone's time we're also respecting their skills and abilities and we're focusing on what they're better at um and and i think some of this stuff has been you know the pandemic has had a massive impact on work culture remote working um i wondered if you how much of an impact did the remote working environment have on your business um, I suppose in two reasons, why I'm presuming it led to an increase in interest because this is the sort of technology that assists when people are working remotely. Um, and, but how did it impact you as well as, as Pro Navigator as a business? Yeah, you know, when we started the company, we obviously never could have anticipated how uh, Pro Navigator might be used at a time like this. You know, in the world transition to work from home, um, insurance organizations the world over have to, have to scramble and adapt quickly to support their teams and make sure everyone is productive and kind of working from their home offices. And so we've seen the need to support employees who are working from home or wherever the most convenient place might be to be able to get work done uh, anywhere and anytime. And we've definitely seen that acceleration and adoption um, as we're kind of settling into this kind of new economy, if you will. Um, I'll give you another example. You know, when we started the company about, I would say 25% of insurance companies we talked to use some sort of enterprise-wide collaboration chat system, whether it's Teams or, or Slack. Um, the, the, the first year after COVID, I would say that percentage was about 50%. You know, 50 had adopted something, 50 were still trying to figure out. Um, and that debate's over. I mean, every single company has implemented one of these tools. 
And you know, if you've used these tools, once you start using them, it's it's very hard to go back. Um, uh, Zoom is another example. We're, we're on Zoom today. And in fact, they joke that when folks come back into the office, they go into a meeting room all day and they're having back-to-back -back meetings on, on Zoom anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's definitely been a, a permanent shift in, into the types of technology that we use today to be able to communicate. And communication has always been important, but now more than ever, it's, it's, it's critical. And um, it's something that we're seeing with, with you know, technology today in terms of how can we, um, how can we give our, our, our staff what they need to be effective? How can we, there's a great quote, how can we systemize the predictable so that you can humanize the exceptional? Mm. And I think that's something that is very, very true in our industry because we're, it's, it's a people industry. I mean, you know, technology is, is just there to really free up our times. In many ways, insurance is a, is a sad business. You pay premiums, you get nothing in return until something horrible happens. And so kind of success in this business requires building real human connections, um, empathy. That's something technology will never replace. But if technology can automate a lot of the, the tedious, it can free us up to do more of the human side of things and really empower people within the industry to, to, to have more time to be there for people. So that's, that's kind of how we think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it took me a really long time to kind of not fall into the trap of the robots are coming when I was talking about automation and, and you know, and, and, and the more, particularly in our industry, it's exactly right. I mean, I talked about the top, I worked in claims. I spent half my time filling out forms um, and I, giving the game away about my age, that a lot of that was like pen and ink and, uh, you know, you look back now and there was so much like multi duplication of effort. Um, and, and, you know, what we actually needed to be there for was we were dealing with people that had claims and they were commercial clients. So they were sophisticated buyers, but they're still in a bad place. They're still at a place of loss. They still kind of like, we, there's a problem that needs to be solved. And when your whole claims team are, and I'm just using claims as an example, are, you know, spending their time doing admin, which could have been kind of pre-populated, you know, this is just a waste of everyone's time and every kind of microsecond um, we can invest and, and move it more towards being customer focused and, and the end consumer of insurance, then, then the better we'll be. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you about innovation, actually, because, uh, you know, a large part of them, uh, and we're definitely going off script here, so forgive me, but, um, you know, we, how do you promote culture, culture of innovation within your business? What, what, what do you do to kind of bring, yeah, I'm always like after practical steps, you know, what, what, when you think about innovation and creating an innovative environment, um, what practical steps do you take personally at Pro Navigator to kind of try and make sure that happens? Yeah, I think a lot of it is um, focus, uh, freeing up people's time to really focus on uh, uh, I guess, let me take a step back here. It's, it's, you know, in a world of like back-to-back -back meetings and one call to the next, I would say that's the antithesis of what you need for innovation to happen. And the more we've been able to shield and protect our team members' time, give them more time to focus on what's important, really narrow the focus, say, these are the top three things that we need to get done. If you end up dropping the ball and everything else, that's okay. Gives them the flexibility and the freedom to actually look at ways to drive innovation. And I think that's been a bit of a switch for me, right? Where 
you know, as a, as a scaling company, you're trying to build processes and systems and you're trying to, you know, make sure that everything goes according to schedule and on plan and from here to here to here. But it's a lot more messy than that. And um, the, the more we can take off of people's plates, the more we can free them up to actually focus. I think that allows for innovation, you know, particularly when we're looking at software engineers and data scientists and that, that kind of world where, where we live in. But the same applies, I think, to, to kind of multiple, uh, multiple industries. Um, you know, with, with kind of the pandemic, we moved to a fully remote world. So we're allowing our team members to work from anywhere to in some cases have a better kind of quality of life, if you will. They don't have to be stuck in an apartment building here downtown where our office is. They can go really anywhere in the world and be able to work. And that also, I think, helps in terms of creativity and, and kind of allowing that kind of culture to thrive. Um, but that doesn't mean no accountability, right? We still have our OKRs and our KPIs and we're, we're holding people to them, um, but kind of trusting people to kind of go and execute within that, within that scope, um, I think, we, we've seen that be much more productive. Mm. I think that this, it's interesting with the KPIs. Um, KPIs was such a dirty word in so many industries. Um, but then when you're working remotely, they are the only practical solution. But I think the benefit is the technology recently is, is so much better at re recording what people have truly done and haven't done right. that it's now a fair gauge, whereas a lot of these things used to be filling things out to prove you've done things so it all feeds into that sort of technology space because I, I i'm sort of a big believer in even if we talk about innovation um uh, restrictions or limitations um are uh useful for innovation um and i always think about this from a creative standpoint and you know i've, I've mentioned a few times I'm, I'm a writer and my spare time so i write plays and comedy and you know it, it's always easier to work from here's a fixed uh, environment. There's two guys in a bar. You know, it's easier to create something from that than it is. And I think it's the same with the, you know, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird parallel to draw. But I think it's the same with kept like KPIs is that, you know, I don't know, people don't like them because they feel sort of controlling, but at the same time, it's like, how do you measure performance? How do you know you're improving? Particularly when you go into a fully remote environment because you, you don't have those little coffee, um, you know, coffee pot conversations about the performance. You don't see people on day to day. So really the statistics are a fair kind of compromise on, on, on kind of how people are doing. So um, yeah, I'm big. It's, it's such a demonized thing in my industry. Um, uh, I wanted to, I'm conscious of time. So just, just, just want to kind of leap onto this. Obviously artificial intelligence automation is, is something that you guys know well um are you where do you think we are on our sort of innovation journey in respect to kind of artificial intelligence in the insurance industry um and are there any elements of the kind of process that you are sort of maybe surprised that we don't we haven't seen application on in that sector yet yeah i i think uh going back to that significant skills talent shortage that we have in the industry um, I think there's, there's a lot of room for innovation within that, you know, the combination of making the insurance industry more appealing while also helping kind of stretch the capacity of the, re the resources that are already there, you know, is, is priceless. So the more appealing we can make it, the easier it's going to be to attract kind of new talents. 
Um, and as veterans leave, their knowledge leaves with them. So, you know, being able to kind of automate a lot of those processes um, is critical. I think what's really interesting about AI and machine learning is how, how scalable it is, right? Where systems actually get better when they're used more, right? Most products and services that either degrade with increased volumes, you know, if I, or if I buy a database and you buy a database, that same database doesn't get smarter because we're both mm -hmm. using it. But with machine learning, it actually gets better. You're doing this collective kind of learning across customers. You get this, this data network effect. And so that's a really interesting thing to look at when we're thinking about how we can apply AI and, uh, and machine learning to our industry. Um, but that, that, that freeing up of, of people's time, I think, is something that, you know, I've touched on it before, but it, I think it's going to continue to be important for us to look at, right? I have, I have a family of three kids and... Um, Pre-COVID, we love to travel, and uh, my wife just loved taking pictures. And you know, in general, my kids are pretty well behaved. But you know, after a while, they they kind of roll their eyes when you ask them to pose for a picture. Or yeah, and and the reason is because we're we're pulling them out of the moments, right? We're making them stand, and we're making them smile, and we're making them kind of so focused on the technical aspects of trying to take the perfect picture that you kind of lose the ability to be in the presence and live in the moments. And I don't know if you've seen this, but they have these. Um, follow me autonomous drones to essentially automate videography. So right. in other words, it's positioning the camera exactly where it needs to be and start and stop at the right moments, um, be able to pan and zoom to really automate the routine so that we can stay in the moments. Mm -hmm. And I think that's key here, right? That, that being there in the moment, being there in the moment for our customers, being there you know, in the moment when they need help, um, and that's what our customers expect of us. And we get so bogged down in processes and tasks that we can kind of forget that. So when you're looking at innovation in, in, in our industry and how machine learning and AI is going to be used, I think there's an opportunity, um, especially in a time like this, to really embrace that type of technology, free us up from you know, a lot of these mundane tasks. And um, yeah, we're, we're excited to continue to keep working with others across the industry to kind of help make that a reality. Yeah, it's it's really interesting point you make about talent coming in because um, it literally. So I mean, at the moment, I'm working on a yeah group head of product role for machine learning, artificial intelligence, SaaS product into an, an insure tech, and um, there isn't. I'm not saying there isn't any talent. That's because like, someone's sitting there that does that, and they'll be offended. But you know, we're not looking in the insurance industry because it's not there. Um, so you're going into yeah, financial services, credit cards, banks, um, you know, there's, there's some stuff going on there. There's loads obviously going on in like ad tech. There's a lot going on in other sectors. Um, and it's interesting because you then have to go back to why is insurance a great place to be? You know, why is it important? Um, and obviously we can, you know, rolling out the insurance as a social good and explaining what, what that actually means. But I think generally there's still so much more we've got to do as an industry as, as about bringing in the best talent. Um, and a little bit of that is probably freeing up time to do exciting stuff, because if you work in machine learning and AI SaaS products, you probably work for one of these cool companies that say one day a week, just work on something fun and innovative and interesting. Um, and I don't think that culturally quite fits with the insurance industry yet. Um, can't imagine AIG giving everyone off Fridays just go and create new products. But um, <laughs> and, I, and I'm not saying they should, and they're not alone. But you never know. Well, I, I I think in the next decade I'll make a prediction here. I would say almost every company will need to look at themselves almost like a technology company with a product offering on top to some degree. And I think 
positioning themselves like that obviously has advantages, but not having, you know, developers deliver, driving your underlying product is going to leave capital on the table that someone else is going to come in and drive product margins down and, and profit margins up. So I, I do think that that's going to continue to be a, a trend with, with, within the industry to kind of position themselves as, as a technology company with a insurance product offering mm. um, that mm. just to some degree. Um, mm. But I can be proven wrong for sure. Well, we'll have to come back in 10 years time, see if you're right, Joe. Uh, <laughs> but look, um, thank you so much. It's, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's, um, yeah, it's, been a, it's, it's been a while coming. Your team have been great in trying to help us get this together. So um, I love what you guys do. I think it's a, it's a really neat solution. It's something that, you know, I worked in the insurance industry and I know I would have, even back then it would have been required so um yeah it's got so many kind of pluses for your client base so it's really interesting to see something that doesn't have just this singular win it's it's multiple so yeah thank you very much for being a guest on the podcast and um yeah really appreciate you spending the time with me thank you very much i, I it was my privilege and i appreciate the opportunity thanks Jack. As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.